Hello, spoops, and welcome to another episode. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is, is my spooky, spooky gay, gay family. family. Hello, Sam Baxter. <laughs> Hello, Fizzy Miles. I just had like the most ridiculous <laughs> moment. I, I, we, we were doing the lead in. We were, you know, we were listening to the end of the music, and I moved my hand and pulled the cord out of my headphones, and so I was like scrambling, panicking. <laughs> I was like, I can't hear anything. <laughs> scrambling to get my life back together, which uh, seems to be uh, a more common occurrence in my life the older I get. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm uh, a little bit more well-rested today than I was yesterday when we recorded the minisode. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, we record both episodes on the same day, as you all uh, probably know by now. Um, but we did the mini-sode yesterday and I had had brunch and I had been working for a number of days in a row and I had not gotten a lot of sleep in the last few days. So after the mini-sode, we like, there was food that was ordered and I was sitting on the couch and everyone was eating and I just like tanked. I was like, (laughs) I just bottomed out and and we were like, okay, we'll, we'll come back and record this tomorrow. So... Today we are uh, we're doing the main episode, and I'm I am very excited because we have a fun episode uh, today. D- did we miss anything? But we haven't like we haven't nothing has really happened since since we last spoke. No, but um, our main episode listeners who are not patrons do not know about the gift that we were given. Oh, yesterday. that's true. <laughs> that's true. If you are not a patron on Patreon, uh, you are missing out. And if you'd like to know about the gift, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> If you want to know what special <laughs> gift we got, go subscribe at patreon.com slash my spooky gay family. Um, we did receive a very wonderful gift uh, from Adam Bashian of uh, Dark Interiors, the Oddities uh, collection. And uh, I, I don't know if I would call it like a dealer, retailer, yeah, I what, dealer, uh, dealer I think is sense. probably the, the, the best the best word for it. Um, Adam Bashian is a very, very, very close friend of the pod, and he texted me, I, I want to say last week at some point, and said, I, I need your address, I'm sending you something. <laughs> and I was like, is it haunted? <laughs> and he was like, uh, no, not really, but uh, you will like it. And he told me that uh, one of our listeners like kind of made this happen. And I'm I'm not sure exactly who it was. I believe it was Emily and Taylor. I'm not <laughs> positive, but I think it was Emily and Taylor. Um who made this kind of magical gift moment happen. Adam sent us a taxidermied hamster. <laughs> 
Because any of you who have been listening for a while know that we here at My Spooky Gay Family defer to our lawyer constantly. And our lawyer is a, a hamster I'm in a hamster ball. Yes. <laughs> who is just wildly <laughs> flinging his arms and throwing his face against the wall saying, why did I agree to do this? Um we have gotten we we have never been in legal trouble but we like to joke about it because we're always making these assertions and <laughs> we're like this is definitely going to be a problem for us at some Particularly point on true crime episodes yeah it's the mostly legal hamster gets a lot of work yeah crime, it's so. mostly true crime particularly unsolved mysteries true yeah. crimes like there was the what was the unsolved mysteries we were talking about it was the the french nobleman who like yeah. killed his family that was like a particularly strong legal hamster episode. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny when we were when we were going through uh, stuff to post about when we were making the 2020 wrap up mm-hmm. episode. Everyone kept we asked what everyone wanted to hear about, and everyone said they wanted to hear about the hamster. Everyone wanted to hear about the hamster, and so we were desperately trying to find. The episode where the hamster was first mentioned and we spent, I shit you not, hours yeah. trying to find the episode where we first mentioned uh, who we have now affectionately named Glenn, uh, Glenn the hamster. Uh, we were trying to find the origin of Glenn and we couldn't find it. And we and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're, it's just gone. Like it's in there somewhere and someone's going to have to let us know. And f- Another episode that obviously got a lot of attention in the 2020 wrap-up was The Worst Witch. So uh, I was listening to the episode looking for quotes to put in the wrap-up episode. And sure enough, (laughs) that was the fucking episode that Glenn made his debut. (laughs) So if you have not uh, listened to our Worst Witch episode Definitely, I know I say this all the time, but you should definitely go back and and give it a listen because it is the first appearance of Glenn, who is now sitting on my entertainment unit next to a Ouija board lunchbox (laughs) and a ghost candle holder. And that ghost candle holder is made out of a real gourd. Is it really? It is. It's a real gourd. I bought it at a store called the Farmhouse Store in Westfield. And, um, they have this like that snowman is a gourd as well. This company makes, um, like these these like gourd what are what are those called i don't know I, I wouldn't even know what to call them they're like they're like jack-o-lanterns kind of you're you're meant to put like uh an led tea light in them because you can't it's a gourd yeah. you can't put a, a real candle in it you'll burn the fucking thing down um <laughs> but I, I i put led like little tea light candles in them and they're these little like gourd jack-o-lantern type things and i have one that's a snowman and one that's uh uh a ghost and Glenn is up there next to the ghost and the Ouija board uh, lunchbox and Columbia. I have a, I have a, I have a Columbia action figure from Rocky Horror and he, he's <laughs> sitting up there with in good company. <laughs> All of this is to say, thank you, Adam, for yes. sending us Glenn. We do very much appreciate him and we are loving having him here. Uh, I think he, he does. I will say, at the moment, look very regal. Doesn't he? He does. It's a little opening of The Lion King. Yeah. And it's especially because his paws, his little his little paws are, like, very close together and, like, pressed down so that he looks very, like, he looks like Maggie Smith in, <laughs> in Downton Abbey. <laughs> he needs, like, a little, a little lacy hat. <clears throat> 
I joked that I was going to get him glasses and a tie because he's our lawyer. So he needs glasses, a tie, and a briefcase. Yes, um, clearly. But maybe we'll get him some interchangeable outfits. We'll get him a Santa hat for the holidays. <laughs> well, for obviously, basically the 13 weeks of Halloween has to, we have to get him Halloween costumes. <laughs> We're go- this year, 2021 is the year of Glenn. We are going to dress <laughs> up Glenn in a different Halloween costume every uh, every week in the 13 weeks of Halloween. A little itty bitty tiny witch's hat. Yes. The tiniest witch's <laughs> hat. Um, one that like, it, it's so small, it's a fascinator for him. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not even a real sized witch's hat. Um yeah, I, I, and I was saying this in the mini-sode. We should get him, like, a little hockey mask one week, uh, a Michael Myers, like, a William Shatner mask another week. Uh, I'm I'm making it my mission to make lots of little little Halloween costumes for Glenn. Okay. Adam is probably sitting there like, this is desecration. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Adam is a big fan of dressing up, um, dressing up taxidermied animals. But I am going to do it. Be- and Adam also taught me, because before Adam dealt oddities, he he collected fish. And mm-hmm. um, he had a lot of, like, really amazing, like, exotic fish and, and all kinds of crazy things. But um, he used to get mad at me because I would name them. And he was like, you can't name fish. It's bad luck. They die. And so he had one that was, like, very expensive. Yeah. Uh, and very hard to come by. And I named it. <laughs> and he was like, stop it! <laughs> stop naming my fish! Uh, and I, I still, to this day, ask him how that fish is doing. Because he no longer has the fish. He he gave it to someone else. And he's like, that's not her name. <laughs> All of this is to say we are not, uh, we are not necessarily here to talk about... Um, fish today. We are here to talk about Glenn, and we are here to talk about a very specific movie that um, we chose because we hadn't ever done a movie in this genre before? No, we haven't. I don't think we've ever done a, a, a movie in this genre, if I'm not mistaken, because it's we have... sub sub subgenre. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's a very subgenre. Um... Yeah, we've never done a possession movie. Nope, never once. We watched one in our watch I mean, unless you count Insidious. But I don't really count Insidious. Um, it's uh, I would call Insidious an attempted possession movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> an unsuccessful possession. <clears throat> um, yeah, but today we are doing probably the most famous possession movie. I mean, I don't movie. think you need the probably on there. Yeah, it's it's the most <laughs> famous possession movie of all time. It started possession movies for the most part. Uh cuz I didn't I didn't come across in my research any movies that had really tackled this before. I'm sure there must have been one, right? Not that I'm aware of. I can't think of one, but that's not to say it doesn't exist. We are of course talking about The Exorcist today. Yes. Um an all-time favorite. Would you call this one of your favorites? <laughs> It kind of, like, it feels like required reading to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. It's a wonderful movie, but, like, it's always felt like, it's always felt like summer reading. Like, <laughs> I have to do this. Like, I have to do this. Like, it's a good book, but I have to do this. You know what movie feels that way to me? What's that? Hellraiser. <laughs> 
Yeah, Hellraiser is Hellraiser is to me, and I don't know why. And I know our friends over at uh, Horror Queers are like, no, <laughs> but uh, Hellraiser to me has always felt a little bit like like required reading, where it's like I try that and Pet Cemetery. Yeah, Pet Cemetery. I can I can understand how you'd feel that way. I actually really love Pet Cemetery. I know you do. I I really enjoyed the remake. I have started the original one. Like six times. It's and worth it just for Herman Munster. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it really is. I've never, I don't think I've ever gotten to Herman Munster. I always fall asleep right after the kid gets hit by the truck. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know what it is. It's very slow moving. It, it, it does have a bit of a a bit of a prologue, which is actually kind of funny because that sort of ties into The Exorcist. I was just about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Long, unnecessary prologues. Speaking of. um, (laughs) This is a two-hour movie. For no reason. I don't know for no reason, but there's there's definitely some some stuff that that probably didn't need to be in there. You know, excuse me. I, I like the... I like the slow build of the possession. Yeah. I like that. I think it's important. The beginning of the movie, I guess we're just jumping in. Yeah. yeah I guess. <laughs> the beginning, because that was kind of my notes. Sorry, I, guys. We're going to be on topic for a little I while. I know. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> we're not going to just needlessly ramble. Um, before we jump in too far, I, I do want to say it is obviously uh, 1973's The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin, written by William Peter Blatty, and it stars Ellen Burstyn, who, by the way, uh, I was like, I, every time I see that it's Ellen Burstyn, it like still shocks me. I'm like, Ellen Burstyn is like head of the actor's studio, like this acclaimed <laughs> actress. What is she doing in The Exorcist? Uh, Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, Linda Blair, and Jason Miller as Father Karras. Um, and that is just the kind of general information you need to know about this movie. It It is about uh, a young girl named Reagan who meets a friend in Mr. Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if, like, uh, someone did a parody of The Exorcist where in- instead of Mr. Howdy, she, uh, she contacts, what's his name, Andy Newman, and he's like, you got a friend in me. And she and she just gets like possessed Randy. by Andy, Randy, Randy Newman, Randy. whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, Randy Newman. Uh, where the hell was I going with? Oh, who knows? It, it's gone. <laughs> but the point is, <laughs> this young girl, Reagan, uh, uses a Ouija board and inadvertently summons the devil. And he possesses her and her mother goes through hell trying to uh, unpossess her. Yeah, no, it's um it's a process. What is your what what was your initial reaction to this movie the first time you saw it? The first time I saw it, I feel like I was a little shell-shocked once it once it ended. <laughs> like it was it was a little like I don't know what I just saw. Yeah, it's a lot. Um <laughs> how old were you when you first saw it? Ah, oh, I want to say like 12 maybe. Mhm. Um this was not one. We can't blame this one on dad. I don't no. know. I don't know how I got a copy of this, but it was not our father. Um, no, because dad actually, <clears throat> dad was never, he never told us like we couldn't watch this movie. But I think this movie was like especially frightening to him. Not in that I think he's afraid of it, but that in like, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. 
he, do you know what I mean? I think I think there's a lot of um, hoopla. I don't know if I would say hoopla. I I think like from a parental viewing <coughs> guide sort of well, way. Yeah. This 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 movie is this movie is a lot. <laughs> so, it's a lot. It, I mean, there's a lot of scary imagery. There's a lot of sexual imagery. Yeah. A lot of um, desecration. A lot of yeah, there's all a, kinds there, of there's shit. There's a lot. There's a lot. A lot yeah. happens in this movie. <laughs> this, this movie is a lot. Any movie yeah. that any movie that includes the line "Let Jesus fuck you" has yeah. officially crossed the line into oh. like, oh, this is territory <laughs> we really should be careful treading on. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. The first time I watched it, I think I kind of came away from it a little bit like unsure of what I had just seen. Mm-hmm. I was probably way too young to have seen it, which. I mean, I was about the same age that Reagan is supposed to be in the film. Yeah. So it's it's kind of especially frightening to a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> You're like, wait, she's 12. It's like, wait I'm a minute. 12. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I remember I watched it. I kind of like sat with it for an hour and then mm-hmm. I watched it again. You watched it twice in a I night? I watched it twice in one night because I wanted to kind of understand what I had just seen. So I watched it again. Hmm. And did you um, understand what she saw? I I still think I came away from it with an incomplete picture of what this film is, but I kind of came away from it the second time going, okay, I understand, like, the plot now. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's so jarring, or at least it was. And this is something I wanted to talk about, especially with regard to this film, because this film was so iconic in that when it was released... There was such a a reputation with this movie. It was like people were like fainting in the movie theater. Yeah, this is a movie that people have frequently said is a cursed film. A cursed film. And it is talked about uh, in Cursed. It's called Cursed Films. I think it's called Cursed Films on Shudder. On Shudder. And they discuss it on there. There there was all kinds of shit. Actors were injured. People got sick. Um, You know, there was like supposedly shit happening on the set and it you know who knows how much of this stuff i mean there was shit happening on the set a lot of it was william friedkin who was doing shit like firing blanks to get responses and like nearly broke ellen burston's coccyx because when she got thrown because the stunt people were pulling the ropes too hard like yeah it was it was a lot of kind of that stanley kubrick bullshit but that was mostly what was happening on the set which <clears throat> I'm so phlegmy today. Um, it's so frustrating to me to watch because it's like, do you really not trust your actors enough to like do what they're supposed to do that you have to like torture them and do whatever to get to elicit some response from them? I, it just, it's so frustrating to me, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, yeah, The Exorcist came out in 1973. And I think at the time, this was just something that, it was almost unprecedented. I think, I don't remember when Last House on the Left came out. It was probably around the same time. I think Last House was was later. It might have been slightly later, but it was around the same time. Um, and there was really no, uh, there was no precedent for, for this kind of thing. Um there weren't movies like this. You know what I mean? Um, 
this oh, no. last house on the left was 1972. That's what I was. Th- I I knew it was. I, I knew really it was around it was the same 70s. time. No, and that was what shocked me because I told you I watched it for the first time last year. Yeah, and when I watched it, I was like, oh, for 1972, this is like the 70s are dark, like in terms of in terms of horror movies, like the 70s are kind of bleak. Yeah, it was, it was very it was very dark, and I think that a lot of that was motivated by the hippie movement. If I'm being honest, I think there was this kind of clashing of sensibilities where it's like you have the everybody say love, uh, we're all one unity, yeah, uh, you know, let the sun shine in, kind of movement, <clears throat> and then you have the other. I want to say the other side because they're not necessarily opposing viewpoints, but you have this other movement of like okay but we're gonna run in the other direction we're going to we're going to really like get into the dark dirty grid of it because one of my notes about this movie is that it's 1973 this is coming practically fresh off the the manson murders yeah which was at that point probably one of the most horrific things people had seen I think it's still one of the most horrific things people have seen. Like, exactly. The Manson murders still make me upset. Well, exactly. And it's one of those things where, you know, it was so shocking and horrifying. I'm not surprised that we saw so much of that in horror in the 70s because people realized that there was this kind of voyeuristic sensibility that... that nobody was tapping into so that's why you get things like last house on the left that's why you get things like the exorcist it's why you get things like uh uh black christmas it's why Mm. you get things like halloween because there was this kind of when you think about it almost all of those movies have in some sense this this sense of home violation these people who are at home living their lives and and you know, joyfully enjoying themselves, and then something comes in and turns it on its head. Yeah. Uh, and that was something I noticed and actually made note of when I was watching The Exorcist this time that I had never really paid attention to before. I was like, oh my God, now knowing, you know, we've talked a lot about how interested you and I are in things like true crime and and all of that. And now having spent so much time, you know, I've, I've read Helter Skelter and the Manson, the Manson, the whole family thing yeah. was, was a, was a, 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 a small obsession of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about it that I find so interesting. Uh, but having that in my brain kind of flicked a switch and I was like, oh, there is definitely something home invasion-y. Yeah. There's definitely something home invasion-y about about this whole thing. And in this instance, it's much different because obviously now we're getting into again a whole different subset of of things. We're getting into religion, we're getting into possession, we're getting into supernatural. But the idea of like something coming into your home that you don't understand, something coming into your home with the intention to hurt you. The idea of Reagan's body being almost like a home. You yeah. know what I mean? Like your there's nothing more sacred to you than you, <laughs> than your body. Yeah, bodily autonomy is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea of that being violated or taken advantage of or desecrated is very like 
distressing. It, distressing. Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of why people had the reaction to this movie that they did. I'm curious, when was the first time that you saw this movie? I was about 14, 14 or 15. And uh, I knew that you had a copy of it. Mm-hmm. And you went out with your friends one night. <laughs> I think I've <laughs> talked about this before. You went out with your friends one night and I decided to go in your room and uh, because you had a TV and a VCR. <laughs> and I turned off all the lights and I watched The Exorcist alone in your room. And it was horrifying. <laughs> like truly horrifying. I I did not watch it twice in one night. <laughs> I just, it was one of those things where like, A, I was young, so I had never seen something like this before, but B, there just wasn't anything like it no, that I had ever known about. There is no other movie even now that I can think of that feels the same as The Exorcist. No, and it's because The Exorcist was a bit groundbreaking, and there's something to be said for the fact that any possession movie afterward has is, just kind of been imitating it yeah, a bit. and is going to be compared to The Exorcist. It's going to be compared to The Exorcist, exactly. Um, have you ever read the book? I have read the book. Is I actually good? read the sequel as well. Really? Yes. I didn't know there was a sequel book. <laughs> yes, it's called Legion. Oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, realize that they were, they were the related. The third Exorcist movie that they made is actually based off of that book. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know that there's a very famous scare from Exorcist 3. I have never watched any of the exorcist sequels because in my mind it kind of felt like the story had been told yeah the exorcist might be is one of the very few horror movies that i think it's sacrilegious to make a <laughs> sacrilegious that it's <laughs> that it just doesn't make sense to make sequels for like it is such a self-contained thing yeah that's not like, necessary no it's really not i i don't know it it never felt to me like there was another part of the story that needed to be told. No, I think we, we wrapped everything up pretty nicely at the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then in two, she's getting like bothered again. And it's it's, it's like... So it does come back to Reagan. Yeah, it does come back to Reagan in number two. Um, I watched it, I can't believe how many years ago now. Um, I've seen two and three. I did not watch... Um, there is There are five Exorcist movies. Jesus. Um and the last ones are called alternately Dominion and The Beginning. And they are essentially the same film made twice. Oh, Exorcist The Beginning came out in like the 90s or early 2000s. I think it was right? the early 2000s. Right? Yeah. yeah. I remember that coming out. And I remember people wanting to go see it. But I I can't remember if I saw it or not. What is it about? It's about Father It's about Father Marin. Marin yeah. Right? Um, and that's a... a an interesting conversation that we can have, Father Marin. Let's uh, let's talk about the beginning of this movie because yeah. the the movie opens in Iraq, and Father Marin is on some kind of like archaeological dig. Yeah, and he is looking for. Uh, it's presumed. I. Yes. It's never really explicitly stated. It looks like he's searching for some kind of religious artifacts or something that is is relevant to his priesthood. Um, I will say I have seen this movie many times, like upwards of 10 easily. It has never been clear to me 
what the fuck the beginning of this movie has to do with <laughs> any of the rest of it. It's supposed to explain... Where the spirit came where from? Where the demon came from. But how did it get... It's You know what I mean? It's got a thing for Father Marin. I have no idea how it ended up in Regan, other, Reagan rather, other than the Ouija board, but like it... It's supposed to be following him mm. kind of thing. And we see the statue of Pazuzu and, you know, we, we get the amulet and the clock stopping and all this other stuff. So while we're on this topic, yeah. I have questions about Pazuzu. Okay. Is this a is this a made up thing or is this a uh, is Pazuzu a an actual entity? Pazuzu is an actual entity. Um, I want to say Sumerian. Okay. Um. It's not quite like the word demon gets used, mm-hmm. but I don't know that that's necessarily how it started. He's not um, he's not a deity. He's kind of a he's kind of an evil spirit that wards off other evil spirits is my mm-hmm. understanding of what Pazuzu is. OK, but um, has no Christian connotation as far as I can tell. So so. So then how does Pazuzu relate to whatever this entity is? Um, The entity is supposed to be Pazuzu. Huh. I guess I'm still having trouble putting together. I don't know that they ever <laughs> actually say the word Pazuzu in this film. <laughs> Was it only pieced together based on um, the imagery? Yeah, I I, th- I think so. I spent a lot of time on the Exorcist wiki um, two days ago. Like, fell down a rabbit hole and spent, like, two hours <laughs> in the Exorcist on the wiki. Exorcist wiki. Um, which, first of all, there's an Exorcist wiki. I know. There's and a wiki like, for everything. <laughs> but, um, and if you have two hours to spare, I, I highly recommend it. But, um, yeah, no, my, my understanding is that the entity that possesses Reagan is supposed to be Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they just honestly probably thought that the statue looked cool. Um, I think that's probably how they picked Pazuzu. I'm, but, I, you know, knowing what we know about filmmaking in the 70s, yeah. I would not be surprised. Um, I think this is actually on William Peter Blatty because I believe Pazuzu is mentioned in the book. It's been a long time since I really. It's been a long time since I read the novel, but I believe this one's on Blatty, hmm. not Friedkin. I'm pretty sure I, I I can't be positive, but I'm pretty sure I have a copy of the book. I probably should have read it before. Uh, before we did this episode. <laughs> you do. I'm, I'm looking at it. Actually. Do I? Yes, you do. It's right next to Jaws. <laughs> and would you look at that and right down the shelf from Helter Skelter. Uh, and I have your copy of it up there as well, I believe, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Um, so many books that I just don't read. You know, And you know what's funny? I tried to read Jaws. Jaws isn't especially well written. I, don't, I can't really blame you for not making it through Jaws. I really gave it like a gold star honor. I I tried my best. Like it is again one of those very few books that I think the movie is better. The movie is way better and you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it. I think Peter Benchley is kind of an asshole. <laughs> I, 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 even for the 70s because it's like the book is dated. There's the book is dated. there's racism, there's homophobia, yeah. there's all kinds of shit in this book. And it's like but it's like even for the 70s, it, like, really makes him come off as a dickhead. 
yeah, it's one of those things where I it's hard to tell sometimes, particularly in horror novels, whether or not you're reading the author's views or mm-hmm. the character's views. Yeah. So I don't know if that's supposed to be Brody is a little racist and a little homophobic, or if it's that Peter Benchley is a little racist. A little but homophobic. it's not just it's not just Brody. Like a lot of the characters exhibit exhibit racist and homophobic viewpoints and sexist yeah. viewpoints. Again, these are these are not uncommon uncommon things in the seventies. No, uh, but it. It felt very dated to me. And I was listening to the audiobook and it was just like, okay, there's... Granted, it was early in the book. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't have expected there to be a lot of the shark. But it was like, I'm not getting nearly enough shark for this to be worth it. (laughs) And so I just stopped listening to it. I I was was a bit disappointed. But um, I will give The Exorcist a shot. I think I would love to read the book. The Exorcist is a good book. Um... Again, might be one of the books where I think the movie might surpass it. Really? I think it's a very, um, it's a very visual story. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to do that in words. Like, I, it's, I agree it's with not, you. it's not as shocking to read the Let Jesus Fuck You scene as it is to <laughs> see it. Um, you, you know, because that I mean. takes up a place in your brain rent free and it never, <laughs> <laughs> it, it never ever goes away <laughs> yeah and it's rent controlled so you know it it never it never has to pay a higher price um i i don't know i don't know it's hard it's hard to say cuz i have a very vivid imagination and i know i've said this a number of times but um I remember reading the Amityville Horror book, mm-hmm. and that book scared the piss out of me. It's a scary book. It's a scary book. And not that I think <laughs> any of it actually happened, but um, there's something about the writing that's like so cheesy and hokey, but it's so like, it's so spooky. If you've never read the book, Bear with me. Like, you should read it because it is very spooky. It's worth the, like, kind of cheesy dated writing. Yeah. In my opinion. No, it is. It's a good book. But anyway, The Exorcist. But anyway, The Exorcist. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's a lot to talk about in, in this movie. And... I don't know if we could go moment by moment because, like we said, it's, it's a two-hour two movie. movie. Um, that said, uh, I I do want to go through some of it because this is a very influential movie. Um, early on in the movie, we we learned that Chris, uh, what, what the hell's her name? McNeil. McNeil. Chris McNeil, who is played by Ellen Burstyn and is Reagan's mother, uh, is an actress and she's working on a movie in Washington D.C. And um, she has this beautiful fucking house. Yes, she does. Let's talk about this fucking house. I was like, <laughs> I-, I was like, you know what? If you told me I could live in this house, but I had to be po- possessed by Pazuzu, <laughs> I'd be like, how long? Like, how, how how long do I have to be possessed? <laughs> because that was a beautiful fucking house. It is a beautiful. House. Um, and there's there's one point where she's coming home from work. She's just had a day shooting, and she rounds a corner. And uh, 
it's Halloween. Yeah, it is Halloween. And the Exorcist theme starts playing. Yeah, the, I know. I don't know the actual pitches, so apologies <laughs> to anyone who's listening who isn't tone deaf. Um, but there's like the kids running around in Halloween costumes and the leaves blowing around. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like it. It like you could take this and like cut this scene out and like tape it into Halloween. Yeah. Didn't you feel that way yeah. when you were watching it? I was watching it and I was like, wow, John Carpenter must have been pretty heavily influenced by this moment because Halloween has a lot of the same setups and and uh, devices, a lot of the same, I, I want to say rhetoric, and I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but um, it has a lot of the same devices that The Exorcist used. The Exorcist has that kind of slow build towards a mountain, like, like a huge payoff. Yeah. And it's also very, uh, as- there, there's a certain aesthetic there's a very certain ambiance in the movie that I think I, I think Halloween emulated that a little bit. That's fair. Can you do you see the the parallel? Yeah, I mean, I think The Exorcist kind of influenced every horror movie that came after it. It's, well, yeah, it's one of those things, and I think this is in the outline somewhere, but but we'll talk about it now. Like like it's. There are a number of people who still refer to this film as the scariest movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is not an easy title to get. No. I'm still like, I'm not sure any movie deserves that title, but if they do, The Exorcist is definitely in the top three contention. So it's like. I think if I'm thinking about movies that really scared the, the bejesus out of me, mm-hmm. <laughs> the particularly the Jesus and the bejesus. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that too. Don't worry. It's yes, coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if the, like, if I had to pick three movies that I was like, wow, this really like put a kibosh on my sleep tonight. I would say the exorcist. I would say the strangers, mm-hmm. which by the way, we should do on this show yes, at we, some we point. Will do the strangers. <laughs> Speaking of the Manson murders, and uh, and Scream. Okay, I would say Scream. Halloween, though it is scary, never like it never like tormented me. Yeah, that's fair. Do you have what would your three films be that like oh. stopped your sleeping? I think The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. The Exorcist fucked me up. Um. Believe it or not, the original It, the 1990 oh, series. Easily. Like, I know it's not as, like, film student acceptable to say that. <laughs> 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 but, like, but, like, in terms of lost sleep, it definitely fucked with me. Um, and I think I've said this before. The only thing I can think of, like, since I turned maybe, like, 16, the only thing that really fucked with me is Insidious. Insidious scared the shit out of me. Yeah. And I I can't even tell you what it was about it. It wasn't just the jump scares. It was just something about the whole premise just scared the shit out of me. It's the premise. And James Wan is also, and I know we talk about him all the time on this this podcast, but James Wan is just a master of disturbing imagery. Because even the scares that weren't jump scares, it's like you never really get a break 
there's always just something slightly wrong and it's the lighting it's the uh it's it's the the camera angle cues the lack of musical cues there's just like he's he's kind of an expert at peppering the the film with like these little moments that but they're so frequent that you never really get to like sit back and say, okay, I can take a deep breath now. Like in the exorcist, there's the scene, even after Reagan is in like full blown possession, she's gone full nutty. And, and there's the scene where father Karras goes downstairs and has a drink with Mrs. McNeil. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, okay. I can sit back because nothing is going to happen right now. I feel safe. Yeah. And, that doesn't really exist in Insidious. There aren't a lot of moments to like sit back and kind no, of there kick aren't your feet a lot up. of breather moments in, in Insidious. Yeah, but um, but anyway, The Exorcist. But anyway, the Exorcist, <laughs> every damn time, every damn time. What were we talking about? <laughs> I can't even remember. Um, we were talking about the scene where Tubular Bells plays the first time when she's walking down the street. And is that what it's called? Leaves. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. No, it wasn't even, um, it wasn't composed for The Exorcist. I think William Friedkin heard it. Um, really? Yeah, he heard it somewhere and he just liked it that much. And, and you know what's funny? I-, I can't remember the time signature, but um, John Carpenter talked about, it's like five, I can't remember, it's like 512 or, or some. it's some like five eight. I-, I can't remember. There's some weird... Oh, I think it is 5-8. It's like a weird time signature that like kind of throws off the the timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that's why he did Halloween in that time signature because it's a da 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 and it's like it's a very unusual time signature. And it struck me that it sounds a bit like tubular bells is in that. Yeah, no, it's it's a little quicker. It's it's a jarring piece of music. It's, it's not like it's it's not comfortable. Again, it it goes kind of into what we were talking about with James Wan, where it's like it 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 rocks. It doesn't. <laughs> um, it it's not a smooth glide. It like it's a bit jarring, and so yeah. it it it's unsettling. And I love the music in this movie. It's it's done very well. Uh, yeah, I would say this movie for me, at least when I was watching it this time and paying more attention to what the fuck I was going to talk about. Uh, it did, it did make me notice how influential this movie was and to not only in its sub, 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 sub genre, but also mm-hmm. in the horror genre in general. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting. I definitely saw John Carpenter's uh, like the bits and pieces he was influenced by. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> No, I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that particularly for supernatural horror movies, they're all kind of trying to recreate The Exorcist. Or at least the reaction that it garnered. Yeah, they're, try- they're trying to get the same. They they want people to faint in theaters and throw up and walk away saying that mm-hmm. this movie should have been rated X. And it Do you think was. there's a movie that, that does live up to that? I don't think so. I don't I think so either. I can't think of one that hits the same chord. Why do you think that is? Why do you think no movie has ever been able to... Do you think... Because at first my thought was, well, it's desensitized. Like, everything is desensitized. We have seen everything there is to see, especially after this movie. Yeah. But I don't know if it's that. 
because when it comes down to it, the the gore in this movie is not the scariest part. No, not at all. It's something about, again, what we were talking about before, the idea of being violated, of being invaded, of being helpless to something that you can't control. Uh, there are very few movies that have been able to emulate that. You know, and there's there's moments in this where we're not even dealing with the possession and it's scary. Like, mm-hmm. the medical procedures that Reagan goes oh, under are, are terrifying to watch. It, it, was um, the one, it was the one part of the movie where I was re-watching it. And, I, like, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, you know what? Let me get up and get a snack. Because it's like, yeah. I'm going to go into the kitchen and not watch this part and I'll come back in a little bit. Because it was just, like, not only is it gross. Like, I don't like watching medical procedures in general. But, like, especially it being, like, a little kid, it's like, yeah. I, that was just too much for me. I was like, no, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently, those are very accurate to those procedures. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. What did she have done? A CAT scan? Um, It's not called that. I don't it's, even know. I don't I don't remember what it was called. I, I read this again on the Exorcist Wookiee. <laughs> but um, apparently, the, the one where they... um. The one that has to do with her neck, not the one that has to do with her spine. Mm-hmm. Um, they apparently showed this scene from The Exorcist to medical students who were learning how to do that procedure because it, that's how accurate it was. Blech. Right? Blech. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone passed out and vomited and, and they were like, we can't watch this. <laughs> that's gross. It I'm, is gross. I'm not uh, here for that. Like one of the worst parts of the movie for me is is her undergoing those tests. Like, I know I, just, I had like, less problems with her like like thrashing her tongue and and masturbating with a crucifix than I did with them like poking okay. her in the neck. See, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk for just a second about the crucifix thing. <laughs> <laughs> but why? Because this is the one scene of the film that I can't watch. Really, I cannot watch it. And I think it's honestly just because the first time I saw it, I was so completely horrified. (laughs) Because again, I was a 12-year-old girl. And I'm sitting there going like, I'm watching it. And not only is it kind of disgusting. And, you know, at the time I was Catholic. So it was also like shocking. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also I'm sitting there going, ow, ow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Ow. Like, (laughs) like, yeah, there's a lot of blood. (laughs) Like. Like, why would you ever? Like, <laughs> and the, 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 I don't want to say the best part, but the, the funniest thing to me is that, like, at the very end of the movie, Mrs. McNeil is like, she doesn't remember any of it. And it's like, could you imagine coming out of that and not remembering any of it and looking in the mirror and being like, what the fuck <laughs> happened? <laughs> and she's still got bruises all over her face. And My she's God. like, like, she went through hell. Like, Looks how the hell does, literally. Literally. Like, how the hell do you not have any memory of that? And then look at your body and just be like. Yeah, to be yeah, smuggling chop fine. meat in your diaper. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> it's disgusting. And it's like, again, only made worse by the fact that she's a child. Yeah, like, only made worse. Like, and honestly, I think that's part of it. I think in a lot of ways, especially in contemporary horror, little kids are kind of uh, spared the the most horrific parts of most movies. Usually. 
Usually, not every not time. Not every time, but but usually, little but kids yeah, no, little are kids spared. Are, are kind of off limits. Yeah, and that's what's so horrific about this movie is that it's like, no, she is the center focus yeah, of no, all is, of the fuckery. She is the horror. <laughs> um, yeah, and and what are your thoughts on Reagan as a character? I mean. As a character, it's kind of hard to say because for most of the movie, she's not Reagan. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, she loves horses. She, she does love horses. <laughs> she's um, like Tina Belcher. She is possibly the sweetest preteen that has ever lived because, like, for a twelve-year-old, twelve-year-old, I was like, she was damn like she was damn sweet to her mother. I was thinking like, that I, one of my <laughs> notes. One of my notes is like, wow, they are really selling this hard because I was like. <laughs> I was like, I have, I know seven-year-olds who aren't that sweet who to their are mother. at least sassy to their Sa- parents. Yeah, and it's like, not any less loving, but no. it's like that saccharine kind of like, Yeah, no, I wrote it as really like, played up. yeah, it's like that like all-American ideal of what a little girl is supposed to be. It's like yeah. kind of unrealistic yeah. in that, you know, the only time you ever see Reagan even slightly get in trouble is when she steals yeah, what she is steals a cookie, a or cookie something. or yeah. something, like before dinner, and it's yeah. like, oh, and she's like laughing. She's like, "Tee, I got a cookie." <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Um, my only note about Reagan is that she is clearly not the last Reagan to be possessed by the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. After all that, she still isn't the shittiest Reagan. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was my big that was my big note for for <laughs> Reagan. Um, now we, th- I think it's time to get into. We're gonna ease into a topic that I think there's gonna be a lot of feelings about. Okay. Um, my next note after after the Reagan thing was, uh, are we exhausted by the priest who struggles to believe? A, I am. And B, (laughs) um, this is kind of leading into a larger discussion that I think is very important in this film, which is kind of the religious elements. But let's start with Father Karras. Okay. Uh, I, and again, this isn't necessarily the fault of the film because this was the first film of its kind and everything after that has emulated it to such a crazy degree. But we see a lot now, like a lot. The film where it's like uh, the the priest is struggling to believe or he's lost his faith or blah, 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 blah. And especially in possession movies. Uh, what yeah. was the one with Anthony Hopkins? It was like The Right or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was The Right. And it's like it's all about this young priest who has to believe otherwise it won't work. And he like can't believe. And then suddenly he believes and everything's fine. <laughs> and it's like. I just find it to be a bit exhausting. And I understand that I'm coming to this with, what is it, 50 years now of, of, you know, uh, alternate examples. Like, there have been so many movies now that kind of ran with this idea. But I will say watching this movie now, just in, like, contemporary context... It's like, uh, who gives a shit about this guy? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, I kind of get it. Um, Father Karras is not my favorite character in this movie. No. Um, ostensibly, Jason Miller is supposed to be the lead of, <laughs> of this film, and I think it's Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> I, I agree. It's, it's yeah. Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair. Like, like mm-hmm. it's not... The movie is not about Father Karras. Like, it's, no. it's never felt like it's about Father Karras, but it's kind of supposed to be. Yeah. And it's... Like, I understand the bit with his mother and I un- I understand the bit with him saying he's lost his faith and the desecration in the church and all the other crazy shit that mm-hmm. that father Karras has to deal with but at the same time like I just don't give a shit yeah like- <laughs> it just wasn't that it wasn't that interesting because it's like I understand that for you to care about what's going on you have to care about Reagan and her mother and her family and what her life was like before this which is why she should be the focus of the film and not this priest who's struggling with his faith because that kind of doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? It's like... It's one of those things where it's like, we need to know a little bit about Father Karras because of what happens at the end. Right. Like, like we yeah. can't know nothing about Father Karras. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I get where you're coming from that the trope is a little old. The character yeah. archetype is a little old. Granted, this was one of the earlier examples of it. But and that's why I can't be mad at it. Right. But like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of why should I care about this guy's personal relationship with his faith? And, and why is that really? It, it almost doesn't matter to the story. It, it really almost doesn't. And like, that's the thing. It's like, cause Father Karras's actions at the end of this movie, the action that saves Reagan, has nothing, has nothing to do, nothing with, to his do faith. with his faith. Yeah. Really. It's, a, it's a self-sacrificing moment, but it could just as easily have been done by a secular person. By anyone, person. yeah. Like, it doesn't really have anything to do with him being a priest. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of... <clears throat> yeah, I, I was kind of bothered by it. I was like, I understand the necessity in some ways from a storytelling perspective but i felt like it it got a little too involved for me and it's like even the stuff with his mom it's like again important and important for convincing him that this is actually a problem and very touching and very upsetting yeah especially because we come from an italian family and he's supposed to be greek but yeah. um that any any anyone who grew up in a Mediterranean family, <laughs> uh, it, you know, there is kind of, and this was one of my notes. You know, we come from an Italian family. There's always been uh, a kind of feeling that you're supposed to take care of your elders. That you're not supposed to like that. That you are there to take care of them, and and it is your responsibility, and and all that. And so the guilt that he feels is understandable. But again, I don't really understand. I think that was enough. I think that backstory is enough. Yeah. I don't think the kind of doubting his religion or his faith is really necessary to his his journey. Especially because like in order by by the time we get to the actual exorcism, Mm -hmm. that arc has basically been resolved. The second he decides that an exorcism is necessary, we have to assume that he believes again. Yeah. So it's like, what was the point of this arc if it's going to be resolved before the the climax of the movie? Exactly, and and not even in a particularly significant way. Yeah. <clears throat> like, it it 
it kind of leads me into what I wanted to discuss next. And okay. I, you, I texted you about this when yeah. I was watching the movie because you sent me the uh, the outline because we 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 have like kind of a rough outline for every episode. Um, and usually Sam is very kind <laughs> in in creating it. Uh, so sh- you sent me the outline that you had come up with for for this episode while I was watching the movie. And it was literally moments after I wrote one of my notes. And I was like, oh my God, like you and I must be on the same wavelength (laughs) in this, in this, because you wrote the story relies heavily on the Christian tradition. It is essentially a Christian horror movie as people who do not describe ourselves as Christian. Do you think that that makes the movie less scary? And my note was, uh, how do you feel about movies that feature the paranormal often having the root of the story or the story's solution pertaining to Christianity? Because as, as pagans, I always feel a certain way when I see people having this approach to some kind of paranormal problem. Um, And the thing that always kills me (laughs) is that, the movie or the story or the, whatever the story is, whether it's a TV show, a movie, a book, whatever, um, it always seems to be rooted in someone not really believing whatever it is they're taking part in. Yeah. Whereas you don't ever really get that in something that has to do with paganism or witchcraft. Well, yeah, because in horror movies, particularly paganism is, you know, evil, frequently and, the evil. Entity. And we're going to get into yeah, that well, in this we'll get movie to that too. In a second. <laughs> But um, <laughs> Burke. Let's talk about Burke for a second. <laughs> that fucking scene infuriated me. Yeah, because you have the the homicide detective, whatever the fuck his name is, useless Kinderman. Kinderman. K- you useless Kinderman. <laughs> uh, he comes up to approach Father Karras about investigating Burke's death. Burke is the director who ends up getting thrown out the window of Reagan's room. Yeah. Strangely, who knows how that happened? And um. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he never could have, he had to have been thrown and yeah, he couldn't have died. This way. It had to have been some kind of witchcraft or blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, all of this is pertaining to witchcraft. And it's like, what part of this has anything to, to do, do with witchcraft? witchcraft? You have a sick girl and a guy, a drunk who fell out a window. Like, what does this have to do with witchcraft? <laughs> It's because he thinks that it's the same thing as the desecration in the church. But it's it's one of those things that, again, like... Churches that are desecrated are not necessarily immediately should you think, oh, witchcraft. Witches. <laughs> like <laughs> And not an angry janitor. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and not like somebody who's just pissed off. Like it's yeah. And I mean, to the movie's credit, like his his question is, is there a priest that could have done this? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of, okay, so we just jumped right to witchcraft. And also, what does, how, what leap are you making (laughs) between witchcraft and what happened to Burke? I know. Like, like there was a witch in Reagan's bedroom that was just just waiting, cackling in the corner, waiting for Burke to walk in. Like, I'm going to spin his head all the way around and then throw him out the window. Why? Because witchcraft. Because witchcraft. Because everyone knows Chris McNeil has a cauldron in the basement that she does her laundry in. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows this. Um, yeah, I was really, it, it really got my mind racing about, uh, what was to come in basically a decade 
Do you think that this had anything to do with the start of the satanic panic? I mean, I think movies like The Exorcist had a lot to do with the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. Um, the rise in the belief of sort of black magic and yeah. people doing rituals. It, it has a lot to do with um, the Manson murders. Yeah. And a lot to do with The Exorcist and a lot to do with just evangelical Christianity. <laughs> um, <laughs> like at the at the risk of offending someone, like the evangelicals are like almost directly responsible for the satanic panic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... But movies like The Exorcist are are held up as this kind of like there's a reason why like personally I don't like Ouija boards but like there's a per- there's a reason people are like never have one in your house. I know. Like never even allow anything like that. First of all, it's a fucking board game created by Milton Bradley it's in Milton like Bradley. the 1920s. <laughs> like <laughs> like it's <clears throat> It's not even really a, a tool for doing what it says it does. But at the same time... I probably like, have things that could be more dastardly used in yeah. my apartment right now. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I am leery of Ouija boards. And I will admit that at least some of that is superstition having to do with this film. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's kind of the, the effect that it had on people. Is mm-hmm. in this immediately kind of like, oh, well, I don't want that to happen to me. So... <laughs> So, so no Ouija boards, no Captain Howdy. Like, like, <laughs> like absolutely the fuck not. Captain Howdy. And by the way, Captain Howdy is like my favorite part of this movie. The fact that he calls himself Captain Howdy. I want to know how any child, and granted this was the 70s, so we didn't really do Stranger Danger yet. There was how- no Stranger Danger and there was also like... Captain Howdy kind of sounds like a kid's show character from the 70s. Like you had Puffin Stuff and yeah. Captain Kangaroo and all that. So Captain Howdy is not like that Immediately threatening, but yeah. at the same time, like, I would be, and maybe I'm paranoid, but like, if I used a Ouija board and the thing said its name was Captain Howdy... I'd be like, like, bye. Bye. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but that is is not a name that things have. So, nope. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would not get too wrapped up in a conversation with Captain Howdy. Um, And speaking of, are there any parts of this movie that you find to be funny? I know I shouldn't, but I love the spider walk. (laughs) The spider walk. It's the funniest thing. Especially, it's the sound it's, of it. It's so fast. It's like it's just a funny image. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is definitely fu- for me the funny part because the actual spider walk is pretty creepy. It is, but the um the sound when sh- when they're like sitting downstairs and you hear the like and you're like, what the fuck is that? Like that is the funny part to me because their faces are like, huh? A what? And then Dr. Loomis rounds the corner. It's like, she's coming. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to work every every in-joke into this episode. Um, Yeah, I I will agree with you. The spider walk is kind of funny. Although I have said many times, I do find the like quickening footsteps to be very creepy. So like it is both funny and terrifying to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's, It's one of those things. Again, I think it's one of those things that the first time you see it, it's like, oh, shit. It's the second, jarring. The second and third time you see it, it's a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it's got some humor. Uh, yeah, I think that this movie is kind of ripe 
for humor yeah. if you're looking for it. No, and I mean, like, we see it parodied in, I think it's Scary Movie or Scary Movie 2 does The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's Scary Movie 2. Yeah. Um, but it's parodied in a lot of movies. Yeah. It's parodied in a lot of movies. For me, there are several, there are several moments that I find to be particularly funny. The first one is when she pees on the floor. <laughs> when she looks at the astronaut and she's like, you're, you're going to die, die up, up there. there. And then yeah. she just pees on the floor. I was like, <laughs> I have seen, I went to college. I have seen people do this. <laughs> Unintentional uh, parody. Uh, so that, if I ever feel like I'm going to pee myself <laughs> in a place, like it's unavoidable. You're just going to say just you're good. <laughs> Because it's the only thing that will make it acceptable. No matter who is standing in front of you. I want desperately to be at the party where that happens. (laughs) Thank you. Because I just want it to be out of nowhere where someone's like, yeah, I got the guacamole recipe on uh, Tasty Dot. And Sam's just like, you're all going to die up there. (laughs) And it just pieces Oh, goodness. Yeah, that is one of my favorites. My other favorite is one that um, (laughs) when it happened this time, I guess I never think about it. But uh, it's the moment when Mrs. McNeil goes up into the attic to look for the rats Mm -hmm. and she goes up with a candle. Yeah. And I was like. Bitch, it's like, 1973. Like we're in fucking Pride and Prejudice. She's like, I was like, I was like, why are you going up into the fucking attic with a candle like Miss Havisham? Like, what are you doing? Get a flashlight, you crazy asshole! I I couldn't believe it. And then when the when the candle like it like yeah. whooshes, and I was like, yeah, I, th- I'm sure that is scary the first time you watch this movie. But it is like, what is happening? Why are you in the attic with a candle? Yeah, the special effects guy was just kind of a pyro, and he was it was like, let it, let me use a candle, please, let me use a candle because then I can make it do this. I, I mean, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> um, my next favorite uh, funny moment is uh, d- were you, when you were watching. The party scene. Yeah. Did you happen to notice when Chris is sitting down with those two people, the the priest and the woman? Mm-hmm. Did you notice how vampy that woman was? I, I was like, know. what party were you going to tonight? <laughs> like, she's like, I'm just stopping here before I go to the dungeon. Like, <laughs> she was so, and I was like, she is gorgeous. I was like, I want to know who this, I want I want that woman to have a movie. Because <laughs> she looked so fucking vampy. It's, if you go back and watch the movie at the, at the cocktail party scene when Chris McNeil sits down with the priest and the other woman, the the woman is like like she is in a totally different world she just came from her cabaret show at don't tell mama <laughs> and speaking of coming from their their uh cabaret show at don't tell mama let's talk about this faggot priest <laughs> this guy he is like he was like if there's a heaven I just want to walk in and have there be a big stage and all the lights are on me. And then he starts playing the piano and everyone starts singing. And I was like, well, now we know why he's a priest in the 70s. Like, this guy is the biggest mo you have ever seen in your entire life. (laughs) 
Father Dorothy. I was like, what is this guy? Who is this? Um, I had a few others. Uh, let, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, the the next one I want to talk about, and probably the last one I'll, I'll talk about, is during the exorcism, A, the tongue lashing thing is yeah. fucking hysterical. It is. It's funny. She's just like, <laughs> and you're like, what is happening? What is this? Who did this? Stop it. Um, and I also love when she when he's like blessing her when Marin is is blessing her yeah and he like puts that purple I, I don't uh, know what it is the shit. kerchief what the fuck is it what is it it's one of his vestments yeah one of his it's a purple vestment I'm not sure what it's called but yeah it's like a little a little thing he puts it on her shoulder and like immediately when he does it she like turns to her left and starts vomiting yeah and then immediately turns and starts vomiting on the thing (laughs) and it's just hysterical it's like yeah it's literally like a cat it's like oh this is where you don't want the vomit blah (laughs) and i was like again I went to college, so I have seen this. <laughs> oh, goodness. The pea soup thing is, is funny on rewatch. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. Especially because she vomits in his mouth. Yeah, I know. In his mouth. It's so gross. It's so gross. Because she vomits and he he's like, oh, no. But like, <laughs> if someone is vomiting at you, don't open your mouth, Karis. Well, apparently William Friedkin told Jason Miller that she was going to hit him in the chest, not the face, because he wanted a real reaction when it hit him in the face. <laughs> so that look of disgust that he has is is genuine because he was not expecting to get hit with pea soup in the face. In the face. <laughs> also, her vomit is disgusting. Yeah, it is. It's really gross. It's like, and uh, like her spit is disgusting. Everything. It just like. She did not need an exorcism. She needed antibiotics. This girl, like, there is something seriously wrong. It's disgusting. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. There were a lot of moments in this movie that kind of were unsettling and frankly gross, uh, especially pertaining to the exorcism. I will say that Linda Blair was pretty exceptional. Oh yeah! In this no, movie. Linda Blair carries this movie on her shoulders, and it's crazy. Like far and beyond what you would expect a twelve-year-old girl to be able to do. Yeah, because she is able to play evil so well. And granted, she has a lot of help from from the makeup and prosthetics and the contacts and things like that. But and the lady doing her voice. And and the yeah. I mean the lady doing her voice. Yes, but. All of that has to be brought together by this vessel. Yeah. And her performance is really well done. Like, the looks she is giving, the kind of unblinking, kind of predatory... It's evil. Like, she looks evil. She really does. Especially in the scene when Karis finds Marin dead. Yeah. And she is totally unbound. And she is, like, sitting there kind of, like, like dastardly (laughs) plotting with her hands yeah but she's like kind of like smiling and giggling to herself i'm like this is fucking creepy yeah like linda blair nailed it yes she did 
I, think, I, I still can't believe she didn't win any awards for this. I know. I, You know, I think it's a really underrated performance, if I'm being honest. I think that she, she deserves a lot more accolades than she probably ever got for doing this. Because it is, it is a really nuanced performance. One that I think a lot of adults probably couldn't have pulled off so easily. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think it's completely bonkers to me that that's a real 12-year-old. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, am I forgetting anything? I don't, I don't think so. We talked about most of the big beats. <clears throat> yeah, I can't think of anything I'm, I'm forgetting, really. Um, yeah, I can't, I, I don't have a, uh, I don't. I don't have a. Uh, I, I think Ellen anything. Burstyn did a really good job too. She did, uh, but that's to be expected. Ellen yeah. Burstyn is an excellent actress. Um, and again, it kind of brings up because one of my notes. Uh, let me see if I can find it. One of my notes uh, when Reagan was kind of going through all of the the crazy shit that she was going through. It. it it was it was insane because poor uh poor Chris, it's like all she wants to do is figure out what's going on with her daughter, and these yeah. doctors are fucking idiots. Yeah, are I mean, granted, useless. she's possessed, so what are they gonna do? But yeah. <laughs> but it is kind of funny because it's like <laughs> my my note was Reagan could have grown three heads and the doctor would have been like, you know how women can be. It was like <laughs> it was very exemplary <laughs> to me of the kind of blatant sexism that women often face at the doctor. (laughs) And I don't even know if it was necessarily intentional in the writing of this movie, but it really did kind of get exemplified. I I don't think that it's necessarily intentional. That being said, like they're just their insistence after, after going through all of that, seeing that her brain is completely normal and they're like, no, she has a lesion. We just haven't found it yet. It's like, like, dude, like where, where is it? Where is it? Like where the fuck is it? And it's, it's that kind of, you expect doctors to kind of say, well, there's a reason we just haven't found it yet. Mm -hmm. And good doctors should kind of be that way. (laughs) Yeah. But to keep insisting on the same problem, just in a different way. Yeah. No, being so sure that you know what the problem is and you're just trying to confirm it is kind of frightening. Yeah. There's not a, there's not a lot of humility exemplified in, in this one. No. Uh, the, that is most of my notes for the movie. Is there anything I I didn't touch on? I know we t- we we barely touched on the whole religious actual, thing. Yeah, we also didn't really talk much about the actual exorcism. <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> but again, the the funny thing about the exorcism in this movie is that it is horrifying. Like it is very scary, and a yeah. lot of shit happens. One of the things I noted is that. Uh, the effects in this movie are very sophisticated they for the time really it came good. out. They are. It just was like far and beyond. I mean, <clears throat> everything that happens with the bed, the floating, the 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 kind of appearing gash on her leg, yeah. everything that happens, even her vomiting, all of that shit. It was like she had to have like this thing with a tube that went like across her face that it it, like sat in her mouth. It was like the things they did for the practical effects in this movie. It's Mm -hmm. like, 
that is something we have clearly lost <laughs> and and yeah. makes me very sad. <clears throat> I miss practical effects. And I, I know we're going to turn into those old people for a second. Well, it makes me kind of wonder because um, I believe it's Blumhouse um, is coming out with a reboot, a, a re- a reboot of mm. The Exorcist. Is how much of this shit's going to be CGI? I mean, I imagine, unfortunately, that a lot of it will be. It's also just a question of, like, I don't know what they're doing with the story. Like, I don't know what, like, like we said before, I'm not sure that this is a story that needs anything added to it. It, I think its beauty is its simplicity. Yeah. It's like, little girl plays with a Ouija board, gets possessed, has to be unpossessed. Yeah. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then we have tea and biscuits. Tea and biscuits. Exactly. And poor Carl. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Poor Carl goes through hell in this movie. Carl, Sharon, Carl's... Is that Carl's wife, the house? I have no I idea. Know. I have no idea. But everything is, she's like, <laughs> Mrs. McNeil is like, who pooped in the servant's <laughs> toilet? Carl, was it you? And it's like, <laughs> Chris is just insane. Any any little thing, she's like, who looked at this apple? <laughs> she is basically the Joan Crawford to Carl's <laughs> Tina. It is like, she is just like, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the demons. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> no more wire crucifixes. Um, yeah, poor Carl gets put through hell, and then Burke starts calling him a fucking Nazi, and I'm like, yeah. this poor guy, this poor guy is just doing everything he can to help this family, <laughs> who just rips him apart. Like seriously, poor Carl. Um, did I miss anything on the religious stuff? Do you have a do you ever get bothered by the fact that like so many times when it comes to the paranormal movies it's always Christianity? I do and I don't. Like I it's kind of a fine line for me. Like it's I understand why it's like that because to mm-hmm. make it relatable to as many, many people. people as you yeah. possibly can, you have to pick one of the big 3. You know, (laughs) yeah. so it's kind of I understand. I understand that part of it. What I don't understand is there's all this. There's all this lore and all this ritual and all this this stuff in paganism that is designed to counter these very things. Yeah. And no one ever like even incorporates that. I know. Not even a little bit. Even to say it doesn't work. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like we get blamed for everything. We're never part of the solution. I know, and, and like <laughs> that was kind of where I was coming at it from because it's like we're always incorporated in the stories, just never in the way that we're supposed yeah. to be. And it's it's so funny because a lot of the ritual that has to do with exorcism, I imagine, is probably derived from pagan ritual. Um, I don't know that much about it, so I can't confirm or deny. I mean, but even like, the idea of using tokens and of using symbols and calling on a higher power to fight some other unknown power. It's like, these are all pagan principles that have been around for a very, very, very I long mean, time. There's there's a lot of Catholicism that is influenced by is paganism. influenced by paganism, mostly because Catholicism was, you know, the original Christianity and it had to compete with those pagan religions. Mm. 
when it was being spread. But like I said, I, I understand why. I get a little miffed sometimes at how often paganism is the root of all the problems. Yeah. Because it, it demonstrates a fundamental misunderstanding of what paganism is. I will agree with that. I, I would once like to see a movie that is not necessarily a movie about witchcraft incorporate yeah. witchcraft as part of the solution. You know what I mean? And actually, I will say, if you ever watch uh, La Llorona, mm -hmm. uh, it's not a great movie. But there <laughs> is um, there is native magic that is used i wouldn't i don't know i don't think i would call it paganism because it's it's more um uh it, it's more kind of i would say native is probably okay. the best way to to describe it um magic and it is incorporated as part of the solution and it's things like using salt and 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 dirt to kind of seal off perimeters and things mm -hmm. like that and i'm like oh okay <laughs> Finally, somebody was like, oh, yeah, this lore actually, because, of course, that spirit has has roots in uh, in Hispanic culture. And so all of that culture finally became something that was added to the process. It wasn't just um, <laughs> I need an old priest and a young and a priest. Young priest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, before we go, we actually received a couple of questions about the Exorcist. Okay. Uh, normally in our minisodes, anyone who is a patron on our Patreon uh, knows that we like to answer everyone's questions on Patreon. And we got some relating to our discussion of The Exorcist. And they came from Emily Pullman. Okay. <laughs> so thank you, Emily, for sending in these questions. We are very Always happy to is. answer them. Um, Emily asked, if you could participate in an actual exorcism, would you take the offer? I don't know, man. I'd be I'd be a little afraid of shit following me home. Like, <laughs> yeah, it would be a tough call. I don't know that I would lead one. I I I would be a little more willing to participate if I felt like the person who was leading it was qualified. I I guess that's like fair. if Patty said she was doing it, I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, See, I if Patty do were doing it, I would doubly be like, nope. <laughs> Somebody hide the, the lighter fluid. Um, I would feel comfortable doing an exorcism with someone who was qualified, I think. Yeah. I, I wouldn't lead it, but I would I would I would take part if I thought it was actually helping. Um what is your favorite possession movie of all time besides The Exorcist? I know mine. Okay. It's The Exorcism of Emily Rose. It's a good one. It's my favorite. And I think it's because it didn't lean into the tropes that this movie created. It kind of created a whole new story and a whole new arc and something entirely new. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's that's a good one to pick. Um... I would love to do Emily Rose on the podcast one day because I... Uh, I... I love that movie in a much different way. I think it has scary moments, but it is not at its core to me a scary movie. Mm. Um I like I like that they focus on the trial and how 
the paranormal is processed by everyday people and how faith affects different people and how people are affected by the paranormal when they don't have a means of explaining it. Okay. That is, that is a, a, I think this is all part of a much bigger conversation when we finally do have a discussion about Emily Rose. But (laughs) I, I think that those are the reasons I love that movie. That's fair. I think for the sake of picking a different one, because I also love Mm -hmm. um, the exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, The last exorcism. Oh, that is a good one. Was a good one. That is a good um, one. Which is funny because it involves a priest that's lost his faith and it's, a, it's a pagan cult that's doing it. I know. But, um, <laughs> they're, Literally they're everything satanic, we... actually. It's not. Sat- exactly. It's, it's, it's totally not, different. It's completely different. It is different. <laughs> yeah. Well, Satan isn't a pagan deity. He's a, Christ- he's a Christian entity. He's not. Although there are um, sects of, of paganism that incorporate like Anglo-Christian yeah, no, uh, I'm not saying that he's not at ever at all a factor in paganism, but no, and and also I don't believe in him, but that's I don't me. either. But the, what's funny to me about it is the fact that Satanists really don't believe in Satan either. So it's well, like, they're, they're they're really more secular humanists. I, I, yeah. Like I understand because it's <laughs> it's really cool to say that you're a Satanist. I know, but like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I still can't believe in the in the new adventures of old Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Nope, that was not it. The, the, old... the chilling adventures of Sabrina. The one on Netflix. <laughs> I completely had like a stroke. I don't know what I did. Sam starts adding words. The creamed spinach of Sabrina McClintock. No, I read the new adventures of old Christine. Oh. And totally fucked it up. But um, yeah, so <laughs> that'll end up in the 2021 wrap up. Um, Little shop of new Sabrina practical <laughs> yeah. magic. The end. No, the, the, the chilling adventures of Sabrina, the one that was on Netflix, um, used Baphomet. Mm, as they did as a prop or something like that and the church of the church of satan like freaked out and sued them they were like hmm <laughs> and they were like baphomet is trademarked you motherfuckers you can't <laughs> <laughs> like, which i thought was hysterical it is and they won funny. which is the best part. yeah no they, they stopped using baphomet in season two because they they got sued you know what good for satanists right <laughs> <laughs> um if you, after death, could possess someone for whatever intentions or or purposes, who would you pick and what would you do with or to them? Which, by the way, this sounds very sadistic. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my, this is quite a question. For the sake of semantics, it's my understanding that only demons can do this. So you have to be a demon. So you would have to be a demon or some other kind of. Well, if you were a demon, who would you possess? Non-human entity. And why? But um, oh, I think I would possess Mitch McConnell. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I would. I would possess Mitch McConnell and make him eat himself. That's what I would do. <laughs> no, I would possess Mitch McConnell, make him like do good things in the Senate for a little while. And then probably- He's signing bills and he's like, it burns, it burns. COVID relief, oh my God. No, but, um, and then have him hit himself in the face with a hot iron. I think. (laughs) And then I'd make him leave his shell at home. 
Oh, I don't know. But since you took Mitch McConnell, I guess I have to take somebody else. <laughs> there's Lindsey Graham. There's I do not. Would you, <laughs> most men don't want to be inside <laughs> Lindsey Graham, uh, including me. Um, I don't know. Who would I? Pos- I you know what? I know who it would be. If I'm being honest, it would be David. <laughs> I would possess David. And I would like, I would make him do like terrible pranks on people that he couldn't explain. <laughs> I would make him like run down the hall naked at like 3 a.m. Like knocking on people's doors and then scream like pudding and just run into the, run back into the apartment and then like let him deal with the aftermath. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt him because I obviously don't want to hurt him, but I would love to like, I would love to like get him into like funny trouble. <laughs> so you're going to possess David for shenanigans and hijinks. shenanigans. Yeah. Just for fun. <laughs> Just for loving fun. And he'll always know I'm there. <laughs> David would call for an exorcist so fast. <laughs> I need a young priest. They're and throwing low-fat ranch on you. It's just like... <laughs> low-fat, I'm dead. At least let me have the regular ranch. Jesus. Also, a side note. This is Emily. Yeah. Uh, Emily says, also a side note. My middle name is Rose. And when the exorcism of Emily Rose came out, my older brothers would not let me hear the end of it. <laughs> and I don't blame them. I would have done the same. Yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, I'm glad that there aren't any movies like The Exorcism of Pissy Miles, <laughs> although that would be a great movie. You should get in touch with Peaches Christ. You can probably make that happen. I'm sure that we could. I had I had at one point written an Exorcist parody video, like a short, like a web short, mm-hmm. um, and it never got produced because we could never we could never make it work. But uh, after watching this movie, I came up with a way to change it to. Uh, to make it m- more suitable for today. Okay. Uh, and I think I may give it a shot. We'll see if we can get it out by <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> more exclusive Patreon content. So go sign up now. Um, oh, and that reminds me, kids, that we have unfortunately reached the end of the episode. But I did want to give you a little reminder. We haven't said it in a while. Um if you are enjoying the the show, please uh, subscribe wherever you're listening and give us a give us a rating, a leaving comments or just a regular rating, whatever you like. Uh, it really, really, really does help us um, reach new audiences, and and we want to continue to give you amazing episodes, and we want to be able to give you lots and lots of new stuff. So if you have a second in your day, please head on over to either Apple Podcasts or uh, on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening and just uh, give us a rating and a, and a review. Please be kind. <laughs> <laughs> we hope if you listened to the whole hour of this. Hour and a half. <laughs> hey, we beat the minisodes. Uh, we did for, for <laughs> once in our lives. Um, so that's it for us today, kids. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts or or things that we didn't talk about regarding the exorcist please feel free to let us know we love to hear from you on social media so until next time stay spoopy and remember what an excellent day for an exorcism you'd like that intensely but wouldn't that drive you out of reagan it would bring us together you and reagan you and us
Did you do that? My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from The Exorcist, distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures, 1973. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel Productions.